Welcome in to the Tighten Up Podcast on the A to Z Sports Podcast Network. I'm Jack Gentry alongside my partner, Austin Huff. You can find us both on Twitter. I'm at Jack A. Gentry. He is at Austin Huff. We are the Tighten Up Podcast. Give us a follow on Twitter, at Tighten Up Pod. Give us a follow on Instagram, at Tighten Up Podcast. And as always, we're under the A to Z Sports umbrella. So go make sure you're following A to Z Sports on every social media platform. This is so number 151, the Titans defensive coordinator, Chuck Cecil, getting fined $40,000 for giving the middle finger to a referee of Sodes. He deserved it. He Who deserved it? The ref or the... Sure, the ref. Chuck Cecil. Okay. All right. I thought you were saying the uh, Chuck Cecil deserved the fine. Man, birds uh, don't fly around Tennessee anymore. I, I remember Bud Adams. Anytime the Bills came to town, he'd shoot a couple up to the press box, but... Amy Adams Strunk runs a type sh- tight ship. Okay, you know there's a lot more you can get away with your dad than you can mm-hmm. your mom. Mm-hmm. You know, think about that. Yeah, you're so right. that's probably a good reason why. Uh, th- that one so title came via our buddy Matt at Juicebox six seven eight. Shout out to Matt. Thank you for the sewed title submission. If you would like to submit a sewed title, hit us up at Tighten Up Pod on Twitter, at Tighten Up Podcast on Instagram. We'll take your sewed titles. And if they're good and funny and make us giggle, uh, obviously, if they make us laugh, the more, the sooner you are to get it on the air. Uh, sometimes we have a, a bunch that make us laugh and we have to get in line. But uh, but it get us some funny very inside baseball sewed titles when it comes to the Tennessee Titans. And we will get you, uh, we will add you to the, the list. We are, uh, I've only got a couple more. So I uh, need you. Uh, we definitely need some sewed titles now at tighten up pod on Twitter at tighten up podcast on Instagram. Look, we're running no guest again because I, we kind of like this format and one because Jack and I are just really actively trying to get this podcast um, about an hour or under, and <laughs> we suck at it. We just get to talking about the Titans, and we can't stop. And uh, there's been so much to talk about lately. This week, we've got uh, got more on the OC search that we're going through. We're going to give our initial thoughts on Rand Carthen. Last week was a cluster. It's just a full-blown cluster because right when we finished recording, the Titans hired Rand Carthen, the guy we knew the least about, and we did not. We weren't expecting a, a a GM hire for a couple of days, so we had to jump back on, record some extra content for that. And this week, we got our Rand Carthen press presser. We're going to break that down, or you know, just kind of give our thoughts on it. Because again, w- what more can you say about a GM being hired? You know, it's not like it's not like a player. It's not like we can go back and like talk about. Man, do you remember Rand Carthen that? Do you remember that one check he signed back in 2017, dude? That was sick. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we are, uh, and then and then also we're going to talk, uh, talk OC search. I, I brought that up. Uh, really want to talk about the G- Josh Allen and the Bills. And you're like, this is the Titan Up podcast. Yeah, we know. Okay. We want to talk about that as it relates to the Titans. We'll get into that a little bit later. And of course, we got to update our playoff death pool. Jack. My man, he's got the uh, he's got the killing touch, I'll say. Yes. I, however, do not. But before we get into all of that, let's first get a word from our friends at Relax the Back. Relax the Back sets out every single day to help people in the Nashville area work better, live better, and feel better. And if you're like me and you struggle with insomnia and posture issues, this is the place for you. They've got a variety of chairs that combat neck and back pain. 
for those of us who are sitting up all day at work, hunched over on our computers or hunched over writing. They've got Technogel and Tempur-Pedic pillows and mattresses if you want to move on from that old clunky mattress or pillow that, that wakes you up in the middle of the night. You wake up with a stiff neck. Go in to relax the back. You won't have any of those issues. So go check them out. They're located at 2020 Glen Echo Road in Nashville, Tennessee. It's right across the road from the Green Hills Regal Movie Theater over there by Restoration Hardware. If you're unable to get there in person, if you don't live in Middle Tennessee, that's fine. You can check them out online at stores.relaxtheback.com slash Nashville. When you go in, make sure to tell them that A to Z Sports sent you. And with all that said, let's talk Titan. It's rolling around the bend, and I ain't seen the sunshine since I don't know when I'm sucking post-prison. What is up, Flameheads? Welcome to the Titan Up Podcast. Today is January 25th, 2023. 11 months to the day until Christmas morning, but just under a month and a half for the Titans Christmas. That's right. We're talking free agency and not necessarily talking free agency, but more so the the Santa Claus that will deliver the presents this year. Mr. Rand Carthen. Rand Carthen uh, was introduced as the Titans general manager last week. You probably you, we've all seen the social videos, Amy on the phone with him, which uh, Amy just adorable. Absolutely love Amy Adams drunk. We gave her some love on the pod last week. And then ran uh, entering the facility with the entire Titans franchise by the door, clapping and applauding. It looked like um, looked like a scene um, from I don't know if you ever seen the movie Big Fish. Well, I know, Jack, you haven't, but you're, you're right to anyone listening. If you've seen the movie Big Fish, the very end um, when he's walking or no, 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 no. Even better yet. It was like the final scene in Titanic. You know, when Rose is when Rose uh, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen the 25 year old movie when Rose dies at the end and she walks into the Titanic and they open the doors for her and she, and everyone's there and they turn and they start clapping, you know, that was Rand Carthen enter, which I hope Rand Carthen isn't dead. Uh, but that's, I imagine what Rand Carthen will see when he dies is that <laughs> that scene is he'll just walk in and everyone will be there cheering for him and he'll do a little spin and a wave and he'll, you know, thank everyone. And then boom, <laughs> and then croak. He's dead. <laughs> that That's a great comparison, though. Good analogy there, because it was kind of like that. Just Titan staffers lined up on like three, three different levels, yeah. all just clapping for Rand Carthen. Uh, I thought it was a cool honestly, scene. Oh, yeah, it was a very cool scene. Uh, trust me, don't get me wrong. I, I actually loved it. I, I know Paul Karski was like, it's a little cheesy. Uh, and, oh, uh, my gosh. Like, there were some people there were some people like, ah, it's kind of dumb. N- not me. I thought it was great. I thought it was an awesome moment. Um, I'm just if I was in Rand's shoes, which thank goodness I'm not. <laughs> I would be a little bit terrified. Um because think about it. These are like literally think about how terrifying it is to start a job, right? You know, you, you go in, you have to like do all the PR or the HR paperwork. You, you know, you've got your me, every single person you meet, you're meeting for the first time. You're walking on eggshells. It, you're walking on eggshells. It's intimidating. You're already self-conscious, but imagine meeting every single person. The second you walk in the door, Oh, you're going mean, to forget everyone's name. 
And just everyone staring at you and clapping for you. You're like, uh, thanks, guys. Thanks. You know, like, what if I like I would be like, what if I suck at this job? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. I mean, it's, it's kind of it adds a little pressure, right? Because everyone believes that you're going to be this next guy to get the Titans back on track. And it's a tall task with the salary cap and some of the moves that are, are looming in the near future this offseason in the coming months um, that they're going to have to make on veterans. There's a lot of tough decisions that Rand Carthen's about to have to decide on. Um, thankfully, he's got Mike Rabel as his right-hand man. It really seems like Rabel is going to be working side-by-side, hand-in-hand with Carthen, whereas and- with John Robinson, I don't feel like they were you know, collaborating on some of these decisions. I feel like J-Rob went rogue a couple times. Yeah. Um, just like the Malik Willis draft pick doesn't seem very Vrabel. The A.J. Brown trade definitely didn't seem Vrabel. Like, and I'm not saying that there wasn't a chance that Vrabel had a part in these discussions because uh, I think that he has to being the the head football coach and, you know, knows what his team does well and his coaching staff does well, but it just didn't feel like they were really inter interconnected, I guess. Well, And if you think about it, I think it's more along the lines of, because I do think they, they got along. I do think Jr. and, and, Vrabel got along. I agree. Obviously, like you always saw them shoulder to shoulder talking. There was never any, there never, we never picked up on any ill will until draft night last year. And we all know why I, what I think is this is just Vrabel being more secure in his job title. It's Vrabel being more secure in, in where he stands. Um, because if you think about it, what John or John Robinson hired Vrabel, so Vrabel comes in, he kind of has to play by the rules. Now that they've gone through one cycle of GM already and they hired another it's with Mike Vrabel in place. Yeah, it's like it's almost like Vrabel's got seniority. And so I think a lot of it is and you saw in the press conference how comfortable he was talking about it, how happy he was. I mean, honestly, that was like the first press conference we've seen Vrabel happy in. In, since when? Honestly, I don't know. Even even all of last year, all of last year, they were dealing with injuries. They were dealing with an annoyances with the team, even when they were seven and three. Uh, and that you you didn't see a lot of happy Vrabel. Not that you see happy Vrabel during the season anyway. <laughs> yeah. But you know, like, but like, it, it, he just felt like he felt joyous almost in that press conference and. I really, really, even like when he was clapping back at Stillman for his, uh, if he's going to fire uh, Chuck Ackerman, Craig Ackerman, yeah. Craig Ackerman. I don't know why I called him Chuck. Uh, Craig Ackerman, um, when he said he was like asked if he was blatantly asked if he was going to fire him, even when he was clapping back at Stillman, he was still like kind of like enthusiastic about it. And I, so to me, I think that's, that's part of it. It, it and this is just a personal, um, Personal story. It reminds me of when I when I was a walk on at at Mizzou. Um, I was very my freshman year, very timid, very intimidated by my surroundings. Obviously, uh, these these D one athletes everywhere around me. They're massive dudes. All of them could kick my ass. Most of them did uh, on defensive side of the ball. <laughs> Shout out my scout teamers. And um, and we <laughs> that that year after my freshman year. Uh, me and my my best friend Jeff, who was also a running back on the team, we were draft or drafted. We were selected to go to two a days the following summer. Exciting, so yeah. It was it was very exciting because it was it was invite only to camp, and we got invited obviously, and we weren't scholarship guys. 
Uh, and, but they still, they asked us to come out. And so if it's your first time to camp, you have to do a skit in front of the whole team. So me, myself, uh, Jeff Waldman and, uh, our walk on kicker, Jeff Wolfert, who actually ended up becoming the, uh, the, the, the kicker who set the NCAA record for uh completion percentage by a kicker is, uh, <laughs> or field goal made percentage. Goal percentage. <laughs> yeah. I'd say he made it a little bit better off uh, from the walk on locker room than, than Jeff and I did. One out of but every three walk-ons goes on to succeed. One of it. That's what they say. And we just, Jeff and I just got the short end of the stick on that one. <laughs> then, and so we, we, we do this skit and, we like, you know, we put a little bit of time. We didn't put much time into it, but we put a little bit of effort into it. What was the skip? It was, we were basically making fun of our, um, our equipment manager, how on recruiting visits, he would tell you, oh, you want gloves every single day. You know, we, I got you gloves. We're, we're, a, we were, and we were, we were a Nike promo school. So Nike would send us all of their stuff first. We were one of 10 schools in the country that were a Nike promo school. They would send us all their stuff first and they would. Uh, and so if he was like, you want gloves every day, you got gloves, you want shirts, jerseys, hats, whatever, you know, like we got all this stuff that Nike sent us. I'll just give it to you. And then when you actually showed up to campus and started practicing, you'd, you'd go to him and you'd be like, uh, yeah, hey, Don, I've got a um, I've got a hole in my shorts. Can I get a new pair of shorts? And he'd be like, make it work. And you're like, okay. And you go to him like, uh, my shoes are different sizes. Can I, uh, can I trade, can I get the right size, make it work. And then it was, and so we just clowned his ass basically in our skit and the, the players absolutely loved it. And we were the last skit to go. We, I ended it. We ended our skit on this, uh, joke, making fun of one of our guys who looked like Elvis. This is, I'm getting so deep into the story, but the, the whole thing about that was at that camp, when we, when we did that, we got like after from that moment on, like everyone on the team knew who we were. We were, uh, you know, like we just walked around with more confidence during uh scout team workouts. Like we became captains, you know, like we became, uh, we, we would lead the stretching lines and stuff like that because we just had this like newfound confidence. That is a long way to get here. My goodness. But that is Mike Vrabel with Rand Carthen, like with this new regime of where the Titans are going. He knows that the owner likes him. He knows that this is, you know, he's at least has at least another year, if not two under his belt. And he's got a new GM that is going to kind of be catering to him because of his seniority. And I think that is why Vrabel is way more excited about what's to come if that makes sense i think he's got longer than a year or two i mean i really think it's going to be rabel's decision on when he leaves if he leaves um but i i agree with your overall point he's got a longer leash you know he's not walking on those eggshells he's you're not one he's not one mistake or one bad season away from losing his job which is definitely a relieving feeling because in the nfl it's pretty cutthroat like even from a coaching side of things it may be more cutthroat on the coach's side than the player's side it's yeah. One bad year and you're gone. I mean, we see. Oh, all I mean, these I mean, like, get fired. If the Titans started off zero and four, zero and five, zero and six next year, I mean, we could be talking Mike Vrabel's. <laughs> Mike Vrabel's yeah, gone. Depending on why, yes, yeah. It's. it's I mean, think it's about it. You end. You end. You end this season on a seven-game losing streak. If they if they start off next season in a crap position, yeah, Vrabel could be gone. You're right. Like the NFL is cutthroat, but I think where it stands right now, I think Vrabel is like, yes, okay, I got. John Robinson was like, I got my guy when he hired Vrabel. Vrabel's like, oh, okay, I got my guy when we got 
you know, when, when Rand was hired. So, and overall, I think at the press conference, he impressed me. I think Mm -hmm. Rand, you know, he said the right things. He answered questions. Look, and there were many questions where you could say, I I think it was fair that he was asked these questions, but he legitimately said when he didn't have answers, I don't have answers for that right now. Uh, Most importantly, who's your quarterback right now? Ryan Dano or any, are you going to play the field? And he said, I don't know that right now. And know, know what you don't know. Knowing what you don't know is, is such a good look. And it helps you out in the future. Like if you don't for know sure. who's yeah. going to be the quarterback next year, don't, don't, you know, run around the, you know, beat around the bush. Yes. Yes. About whether you, or not Tannehill is going to be here, whether or not you're going to draft the guy, whether or not you're going to look into free agents. You don't know that you've been on the job for less than like a week. Don't yeah. put yourself in such a bind and don't put yourself in a position to where if you do make a move, People are going to get on you. You, you don't he, want to have that heat. Right. First and he didn't he, he didn't even tip his hand even like he didn't say like, oh, Ryan Tannehill's done some, you know, some great thing. Like he didn't like go like expound upon it. He basically just said, like, look, I don't I don't know yet. We're going to review the film. We're going to re- see what we have. And we're going to we're going to go over that. And that to me is like, that's great. I love that answer. And, you know, like I I, I err on the side of unless you can get someone better than Tannehill you bring back Tannehill, you err on the side of push Tannehill in front of a bus, please. No, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, I, I think Tannehill's better than a lot of options. I, I think that if you're going to have a bad quarter, not a bad quarterback, uh, an average quarterback, like Dak Prescott, like Ryan Tannehill, you know, like some of these guys, maybe even Daniel Jones fits that category. Josh you wanna, Allen. You, you don't want to overpay Josh Allen. We'll talk about him <laughs> in a little bit. You don't want to overpay. Like you, you don't you don't want to be on the hook for $35 million like Tannehill is. But yeah, back to Rand Carthen, there's one I, thing um th- that I think says a lot, and that's that Vrabel was involved in these interviews. And in Rand Carthen's press conference, there was one quote that he said that I guarantee you. He said in the interview process that made Mike Vrabel fall in love with him. It's this hit me with it. Hit me with it, Jack. Hit me with it in your best. uh... Yeah, just hit me with it. (laughs) Okay. He said, I was going to say, hit me within your best Mike Vrabel impression. Go. I was going to say Rand Carthen. And I was like, I don't, I don't know if we even, I'm not, I'm not there yet with Rand Carthen. I was going to say, I don't think we know like how, if we can do an impression of him. If you do Mike Vrabel, you just got to do it uh, in a way that you're adjusting the microphones in front of you the whole time you're, you give the quote, but yeah, and I, I got to be like shrugging. Quote, so I got to like shrug after every other sentence. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah and that yeah. doesn't play well over the podcast, but anyway, dirty <laughs> looks right, right before you give the quote. Yeah. <laughs> this is what Rand Carthen said. It's cute to play golden state warriors football in October. But when the weather changes, you better be able to run the football. Look at the team still playing. And he's right. He comes from San Francisco where the Warriors now play that they moved that stadium. Um, so he knows a thing or two about that. And sure, it, it's nice to look good the first 10 weeks of the season, right? The Bills, the Eagles. But oh, yeah. You want to play. A, a, I mean, Look at the a, Jets. A, yeah, exa- yeah, exactly. The, the New York Jets. You want to find a level of success that you're able to sustain throughout the year, no matter whether it's rain, shine, snow, or sleet. And it's all centered around running the football, right? Defense travels, running the football travels. You can do it in any condition that uh, that you may face. And when it's cold and snowy in the playoffs, you better have a run game you can rely on because there are a handful of teams, the Bills being one of them, that uh, the Jaguars being another, that couldn't get it going on the ground. 
And even Saquon Barkley was bottled up to 61 yards um, in, in the Giants' loss to the Eagles. you got to be able to run the football to win and, and make deep runs in the postseason. Rand Carthen knows that. Look at the Niners. They they went out and got McCaffrey. Before they had McCaffrey, I mean, they've been rotating dudes in. Elijah Mitchell, who he had a great story on in his press conference on how he found Elijah Mitchell and how analytics played into that. I like that he's going to yeah. be using analytics. Um, it's you know, it's yeah, it's it, the new wave. You got to you either got to get on or or you're going to be left behind. Right. Um, and I feel like I feel like in the way the Titans used to use because like now every NFL team uses analytics to an extent. But that, I think that's the that's the point. There's to an extent. I think the it will be extended how the Titans are utilize analytics more now, because I, I, I do. I, I fully believe that the 49ers are a very advanced franchise and not just because of the success, but like think about the 49ers like they haven't been like phenomenal like every year but well, they they find think about it five years ago they had cj bethard bga legend and nick <laughs> mullins playing quarterback i mean they would win yeah. two three games a year and that was like a yeah. five-year stretch of poverty and right. now i mean it it seems like you can pull any backup quarterback in the nfl stick him under center throw him out there with that team and oh, they're yeah. going to win the game. And they may right. win like two touchdowns if you throw I, for 175 yards. I think a large part of that is coaching. I think Kyle Shanahan is, is a phenomenal phenomenal coach, especially in, when it comes to the offense. Uh, but their defense this year is incredible. And I think it's I think it's one of those things where they they just um they play they, they can enter the playoffs at 10 and 7 shock a few people and before you know it they're in the nfc championship how many times have the niners been in the nfc championship the last few years and they were an interception uh, they were dropped interception away from being in the super bowl last year and they're they're a dropped connected uh deep ball by uh garoppolo from winning a super bowl against the chiefs so the the niners go against the conventional thought where you got to have a quarterback to make the run well the bills have had a quarterback they've never played in an afc championship game there's a lot of teams with great elite quarterbacks Rodgers has only won one Super Bowl I mean there's there's a lot of elite quarterbacks some of the most talented quarterbacks in the game that can't win the big games because teams are always just trying to focus on paying the quarterback this much money you worry right. about the weapons later you need the quarterback in place well the Niners they found Debo Samuel they have Brandon Ayuk they've drafted George Kittle they found yeah. uh, they traded for Christian McCaffrey they've got a great offensive line when you have talent like that around you I mean it's impossible to not be successful yeah. And this is this is where I'm excited is because when you have that analytical mind uh, of, you know, Rand Carthen, or at least like the analytical practices, I guess I should say, like Rand is, is going to bring to the Titans uh, that paired with the ability to coach up players, which I think Vrabel is very good at Vrabel and his entire defensive staff. Uh, obviously, we saw that this year where they would it was plug and play. Anyone uh, next man up would just come in and it really very rarely would they skip a beat. If you can find those fourth to sixth round players oh, you just in the lucky, draft, though. I mean that's all it they is. got. They got to they they got to get lucky. But I I feel like Rand has it. Uh, I don't know. Like I'm not gonna say he has the golden touch, but I do think he has an ability to find needles in haystacks better than than most probably would, or at least he knows the tactics of how to do so with the way the 49ers have have built their program up from poverty to now where they're at right now, which is one of the top franchises in the league. So if he knows the blueprints for the Niners, I think, you know, the Titans are, are far further along than, than where the Niners were. Absolutely. And I think that he can just Im implement those into the Titans 
franchise. I think the Titans franchise is very open to, look, we'll do what it takes. We'll do what needs to be done. And Amy Adams Strunk has, has proven that time and time again. We need a new stadium. Let's get a damn new stadium. You know, like I will open my checkbook. Let's get the job done and bring home a Lombardi. And that to me is, I think, I think one area where he, he thoroughly impressed me and it, it, it made me excited for what he's going to bring him paired with, with Ray bull to what they're going to do now. It's, all it's, they got to player evaluation is where Rand Carthens. Yeah. And I mentioned, yes. I said luck when it's fourth to sixth, seventh round picks, whatever. But I mean, luck is when preparation meets opportunity, right? You've got to be Ooh, prepared. Nice. You've got to, you've got to study these guys. You've got to find these guys that maybe teams are overlooking like the Elijah Mitchells of the world, yeah. like the Brock Purdy's of the world. I mean, Brock Purdy, Heading into college, Nick Saban pretty much just told him to get the hell out of Alabama when he came down to visit. Yeah, he said, yeah. He said you've got below average size, you've got average arm strength, and your accuracy is okay. I mean, that's the dude that is playing in an NFC yeah, championship yeah, game this let's, week. Let's bring it. Let's let's put it in terms of the Tennessee Titans. Okay, Brock Purdy, seventh round pick literally the last pick in the seventh round. And he's cheap a for game, years, man. He's cheap a for game, years. A game away from the Super Bowl. Titans seventh round draft pick quarterback. Cole McDonald. Cole McDonald. <laughs> didn't, even make, for a week. <laughs> didn't even make it out of camp, my man. Oh, my goodness. I wanted him to. Don't get me wrong. I love me some Cole McDonald. <laughs> Flying Hawaiian part two. Uh, but that's, but no. that's, that's a position that J-Rob, and we forget, I, I think now with a, a few you know months in between, how cutthroat that firing was because before the season, sure, J-Rob's missed on his fair share of draft picks, but I think that he was getting the benefit of the doubt for building the Titans into this perennial contender. I, I don't know that before the season, anybody had J-Rob getting fired this year, right? No. And no. Amy Adams Schunk did mid-season. I mean, yeah. talk about cutthroat. Talk about yeah. doing whatever it takes to win, take that next step. The Titans are there. They've just got to have a guy that can evaluate players through the draft because that's where J-Rob yeah. came up short, and especially at the quarterback position. I mean, Malik Willis, you kind of got to write him off, in my opinion. I don't think they're saving Malik Willis. You, that, that's a guy who's not going to be able to help you take that next step in the next two right. years. So get rid of him. I, I mean, don't waste your time on this guy. Like, I I loved the idea. I thought it was a nice shot. Yeah, oh. Uh, yeah, I I love the idea, and and I part of me like I'm still rooting for him. I'm not like one of those Tannehill haters who hates everything about Ryan Tannehill, like my co-host here. I am uh, Malik Willis. As long as he's a Titan, I want him to succeed. I want him to do well. But I I do think the handwriting is 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 on the wall a little bit. I I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. He was a rookie last year. The game is fast, and it going from. Going from the SEC to the NFL, the game is fast. You heard Derrick Henry talk about it on the Busting with the Boys podcast. If you listen to it, mm-hmm. um, he talked about just how much faster the NFL is than even the SEC. And and Malik Willis played at Liberty, which is even slower than the SEC. He played so, in a flag football offense. He really did. So, like to to make that jump. Impossible. And then to be thrown to the wolves in a couple of games this year and start as a rookie, I will give him the benefit of the doubt. I I will allow it, but I don't think if anyone who's putting their eggs in the Malik Wills basket to to start next year, I, I think you're that's a far cry. I think yeah. it, it, you're 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 looking for a full rebuild rather than a reset with the Titans organization. And I don't think the Titans can or should afford that. 
I understand squeezing like every last drop of potential out of guys, but not if it's holding you back. And it's such an yeah. important position, like quarterback. Right. Like I, I look, like I Brock wanted Purdy, him to be great. I, I wanted it to be great. There was no reason for the Niners to take a shot on Brock Purdy, really. I mean, they had Trey Lance and they had Jimmy G. Like oh, yeah. the Niners third string quarterback this year was supposed to be irrelevant. He was Mr. Irrelevant in the draft. And now he's starting an NFC championship game. Like you just got to create room to take shots, even if they're late shots in the draft, because you never really know at that position. But going back to the 49ers, we mentioned how, you know, Kyle Shanahan elevates the guys around him. And that, that's yep, who the Titans are looking for. And that's, yeah. You need a coach to elevate, a, you know, I mean, let's face it, let's call it what it is. An average set of talent that the Titans have on offense. They need, they need a coach that can turn an average offense you, into an above average offense, even a, a top 10 offense. And once you have you, that, those coach, those, those coordinators don't grow on trees, by the way. And, you know, everyone has this idea of, Oh, I want this perfect coordinator who's never failed. Those aren't those guys aren't available. Like there's not an unemployment line full of coordinators who have just absolutely succeeded at incredible levels right. in the NFL that are available for the Titans to go out and get. Those I mean, look at the Patriots. <laughs> look at the Patriots. Patriots just just hired Bill O'Brien, and we all know about his level of failures. Um, I yeah, what you need is you need a Mike Vrabel. What you have in Mike Vrabel on the defensive side of the football, you need that on the offensive side of the football. A guy who can not only schematically uh, pick apart defenses, but can also coach players up to show them what they're doing wrong. And I think that's something that we've lacked for the last two years. I mean, you, you, you still see like guys like Nick Westbrook, Akine, you know, uh, kind of bubbling out routes and stuff. Like when you look at the film and stuff like it, like just little things that they're not doing wrong, where they're not as sharp with their, with their breaks and things like that. And I think that goes to coaching. And if you can get that, if you can say, Hey, look, if you do this instead of what you're doing here, that right there to me is that that's going to make the difference in, in, in a play. And I think when you've got a college that's why you see guys like Brock Purdy who are no names coming out of the draft. It was a no name in Iowa state when he was, he was at Iowa state. He, I mean, he was like good, but he wasn't like, Oh, Brock Purdy. Well, yeah. Contender. I mean, you know, every it, quarterback in the big 12 is good because they, they all throw <laughs> for 500 yards. Yeah. So that's not saying a ton. It's it's when the it's very rarely do you see those Big Twelve quarterbacks succeed in the NFL, and he's doing that. Other than Patrick Mahomes, of course, but like you know, like the Colt McCoys of the world, Jalen Hurts. Uh, does he count? Baker Mayfield is it was struggled a little bit. Uh, Jalen Hurts half counts. The um, all I'm saying is like, I I think I think what it is is you you get a guy that can come in and and do that, and you're right. The list of the 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 OCs that the Titans have gone after, there's a lot of pros and a lot of cons for every, many of them. Well, every one of them. Every single one. one has a con, yes. Yes. Uh, let's just get into it. Let, let's talk about the guys that the Titans have reached out to. Okay, let's do it, Jack. So you have Tim Kelly, who's the in-house candidate, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, he's a guy that they wanted to hire before Downing when he was with Houston. Houston denied the Titans' request to interview him because it was a lateral move. Yeah, um, I, I, I don't know how Titans fans feel about this. Tim Kelly, even in Houston, like sure he helped Davis Mills along, but I think what the Titans are looking for is not just a guy to help a guy uh, or a quarterback, you know, take the next step. But I think they're looking for a coordinator who changes everyone on the offense, who who can get the most out of Chigakonkwo and the most out of Traylon Burks at the same time, who's able to you know put a quarterback in position to to, to where he has open receivers because that coordinator schemed them open. And I don't know if we've seen enough of that from Tim Kelly at the NFL level, 
So they've talked to him, obviously. They've they've requested interviews with Eric Bieniemy and Matt Nagy, the Chiefs guys, whose stock, in my opinion, rose over the weekend. For Chad yeah. Henney to come in there and take him on a ninety-eight yard drive <laughs> off the sideline, yeah, we we impressive. talked about we, we talked about them at length last week's. Uh, so if you happen to miss that one, go go check it out. But yeah, those are, those are two. One of which is my leader in the clubhouse. One of which is the last one that I want the Titans to hire. But go on, mm-hmm. um, Charles London, the Falcons quarterback coach. I don't think he's got enough experience. I would be surprised if they went with him. But that's a guy that they want to meet with. But um, Titans are going to London next year, so would fit <laughs> they've also requested to interview this is the most interesting name on the list for me because i'm I'm just a little su- surprised that he caught the titan's eye and that's Ooh. justin outen justin outen was the offensive coordinator for the denver broncos this season and i know it i, I can hear some of you guys screaming in your car right now justin outen the denver broncos oc why do we want anybody from denver after the offensive season that yeah. they had this year yeah well outen didn't call the plays until the team's final two games and right uh, look inexperience is a problem i think you want a guy who's done this for a little while before so out may not qualify but in those final two games he put up 24 points against the chiefs and 31 points against the chargers and got that win in week 18 when the chargers were playing their starters for most of the game and that was a season high 31 points was a season high for the broncos and would have been for the titans would have been for the titans yeah like let's not laugh at the broncos for their season high i mean my goodness when but the Broncos like, outscore you in offense, that, that was a miserable year. We just that sucks. In it, but like he's he doesn't have enough experience, only having called plays for two games in his NFL career. So no. I and it may they may not even be interested in interviewing for offensive coordinator, but a different position on the offensive staff. So we'll see what happens there. Yeah, but, I I kind of like bringing him in as a different position, but calling the shots, man, I I that one did not excite mm-hmm. me as much as other uh of. Uh, other of the names float around that to me feels like a, a move the Titans would have made like four years ago. Now where the Titans are at, I think the Titans are, they're a more mature franchise. They they've been close to the top of the barrel in the AFC. And I think you need to respect that in within yourself. And I think you need to go after experience. I think you need to make a, either a splash hire or, Tim Kelly. I don't that that's where I'm leaning towards. You may be thinking, well, why don't they just promote their tight ends coach again? Well, their tight ends mm. coach, Luke Steckel, he's interviewing with the Chargers for their OC position, which and, is surprising, uh, right? A little surprising. Um, well, n- no, it's not surprising in the sense that he's a really is, smart guy and he could get it, it done. Probably Princeton but, graduate played football at Princeton. Uh, very for the Titans to have this vacant, this vacant OC it, position and to not have really met with him for the, the opening. I, I mean, I don't know that it's, that's kind of a head scratcher for me. Even well, though it, Titans, it, his, Titan his dad, coach, his dad, Les Steckel was the Titans offensive coordinator when they went to the Super Bowl. Um, he was also the, uh, Broman highs offensive coordinator mm-hmm. when we won state. 20, 2002, shout out. God bless and go Bruins. Uh, in fact, Tom Pelissero's tweet about uh, Luke Steckel being interviewed by the Chargers for their OC job, he he mentioned Steckel is a fascinating name. He's 37, a Princeton grad, highly intelligent and widely respected by players and peers. And then he says, the next Ben Johnson, question mark? I know. I, I, um, I was surprised he took it to that step. Ben Johnson, obviously the OC for the Lions, who's getting a lot of head coaching uh, buzz this cycle. What? what what I would like to say, though, to Tom Pelissero is um, 
look, I don't want to correct his tweet or anything. Um, but what he should have said is Steckel is a fascinating name. He's 37, a Brentwood high grad, highly intelligent and widely respected amongst players and peers. Because um, look, I don't know if you know this, but a lot of great things come out of Brentwood High School. Just Kesha. to name a few. Kesha. All right. Just to name a few. Kesha. Okay. Uh Luke Steckel. Okay. Austin Stanley. Huh? Mm-hmm. How about that? A to Z sports. Uh Austin Huff. Huh? I, I mean, people are asking. Look, <laughs> A to Z Sports, tighten up pod. Look, all I'm saying is a lot of great things. You you always like to brag about BGA and the fine products that come out of BGA. It's really just I one. Mean, who? CJ Bethard. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. No, George And Plaster. Uncle Tucker Bethard and George Plaster. Yes, and and no, Zach, no Zach Bingham. Bingham? Wow, dude. Exactly. Jeez, yeah, I kind of loaded. Not but a lot of love for your alma mater. I'm going to go Jonah Hill Moneyball here. Okay. Do it. All of these guys, they have one defect. Right? <laughs> okay, okay. They have one right. defect that turns other teams away from them. Eric Bieniemy. Let's run, let's run down the list. It, he Eric Bieniemy lives in Andy Reid's shadow. A lot of people question what kind of impact Bieniemy really has on that offense. How much Matt, is him? How much is Andy Reid? Sure. Yes. Matt Nagy. He's got the Bears stink. The way he handled the fallout from the double doink. I mean, just the Mitch Trubisky situation as a whole, it, it didn't end well yeah. in Chicago. And I think it a did. lot of that stink is still on Matt Nagy. The, the post double doink stuff aside, just the way that the offense was not great under his tenure as head coach. Like if you're an offensive coach to me, it should be like, it should be like a Kyle Shanahan thing in, in San Francisco, not to keep pulling him up, but it should be like that in the sense that y- your side of the football is the best side that you have to offer on like uh, Bill Belichick and the, the Patriots during their run, their defensive side of the football. all due respect to the goat Tom Brady, but all do like their best side of the football was the defensive side of the football for all of those years, all of those Super Bowls. Great Tom secondaries. Brady is- Tom Brady has never won a Super Bowl with less than a top 10 defense mm-hmm. in the NFL. So if you're a coach of that side of the football, it should be good. Matt Nagy was he, he was an offensive coach and he took over the Bears and their offense sucked. That's that's my problem. That to yeah. me is like when you have full control, why why is your like why is your responsibility not showing up? You know? You you so were that, hired as an offensive head coach, yet the offense is failing. Explain yes, that, that is that is why I'm anti anti Nagy, and that's fair. Like continuing with the list of guys the Titans have contacted, Charles London, he doesn't have experience. He's not experienced enough. I'm surprised that they're even requesting to meet with him. Maybe it's not for that offensive job. Just like Justin Alton, who was the OC at Denver, we just mentioned, um, only called plays for two games. Tim Kelly, he's, his defect is that he's in house. The Titans want to flip the script. They want to change. The, they want to move on, change the page. I don't know that Tim Kelly, an in-house candidate, does that for you. And then there are a whole bunch of other names that there are to be considered. Greg Roman just became available, fired by the Ravens. His defect, the passing attack, was never really much to brag about in Baltimore. You've got Byron Leftwich. Well, the second Bruce Arians left, Tom Brady and that Tampa Bay offense, that that fell apart. It looked ugly this year. You've got Joe Lombardi, who was just let go by the Chargers. Well, his Chargers fans complained about not him not being able to scheme receivers open when he had Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, and they had struggles in the red zone. 
you shouldn't struggle in the red zone with that with that skill set that the Chargers have. <laughs> look, even even uh, even Todd Downing's offenses did not struggle in the red zone. <laughs> it's true. It's one thing that he actually did well. And going on down, there's a handful of other guys. I'm gonna I'm gonna rip them off real quick. Mike Lafleur, his defect. Well, his last name. Uh, you know, it's not something he can really control. But the Titans have already had one Lafleur come through. I don't know that Mike Lafleur would do I, anything. That I know, like Mike Harnon's big on Lafleur. I am not. I don't want that. At all. The thing all. is, he made the Jets' offense look capable at times. Yeah, but there were also games, and it's 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 tough because who do you blame it on? Do you blame it on the system, or do you blame it on rotating quarterbacks, or do you blame it on Zach Wilson and him losing the locker room? There's just a lot of variables that concern me about the floor that I don't know that I'd be willing to go all in on to yeah. take that next step and win the and take back control of the AFC South. Um, going on, Cliff Kingsbury. I mean, there are well, a, uh, Cliff Kingsbury, the number the number one con for Cliff Kingsbury is I don't even know if we'd be able to locate him in time for the season. <laughs> exactly. So, like, it's if you want to hire Cliff, if you want to hire him, that's great, but it's like good luck finding him. Okay. Like I mean, you gotta I, see I Rand Carthen out there. It's like one of the hangover movies. Finding Cliff Kingsbury right now harder than finding Waldo on the last page where everyone <laughs> is Waldo. Continuing on, Joe Brady. He's 33 years old. He was a phenom at LSU when he ran what in what my opinion was um the the best offense in college football history with Joe Burrow and all those great receivers that are now all pro guys in the NFL. And last, but certainly certainly not least, the man with as few of flaws as any of these guys that I've listed, my number one candidate, Todd Downing, Frank Reich. Frank Ooh. Reich, former Colts head coach, 40, yeah, 33 and one record. I mean, it yeah. was never the offense. Super Bowl champion, right? Uh, not with the Bills, obviously. He did take them to the Super Bowl uh, mm. over the Oilers. But he did not uh, with the biggest comeback. Well, at the time, the biggest comeback in NFL history. And he and he's the quarterback for the biggest comeback in college football history or the former one. But he did not didn't. He was the OC in Philly when they won the Super Bowl. He was. And he actually was the mentor of Nick Sirianni, who might be taking the Eagles to another Super Bowl. And you saw how much. Nick Sirianni respects Frank Reich. He came into Indianapolis, beat the hell out of the Colts, and then talked crap to all of those Colts fans in Lucas Oil Stadium. But why I like Reich is because, especially for the Titans, is because when he was in Indy, yes, he did have that winning record. that, And that's hard for head coaches to do in the NFL over a period of time. But he did that while cycling in quarterbacks every single year. There was no continuity when Frank Reich was the head coach up there. And part of that's probably Chris Ballard. Um, part of that's probably Jim Irsay. And hell, I mean, Reich may have had a had his hand in it as well. But... He's good in his first year with a new quarterback. So if the Titans move off Tannehill, I think that Reich, no matter who takes over the job uh, under center for the Titans, I think he could lead them to the to an AFC South title. He's he, he's got a system that works that you know you can you can kind of jump right into. We saw. I mean, I mean, I know veteran quarterbacks did it with the Colts, but I I just trust Frank Reich. I think he's experienced enough. He's the most qualified of anybody that we've listed so far, and that's why Frank Reich to me is number one. I know he's getting a lot of head coaching looks, but I'm not so sure that he lands one of them. And if he doesn't, would he be willing to come to the Titans where he could really stick it to the Colts who are going to be down for the next few years as yeah. OC and kind of get his revenge that way? Yeah. Uh, look, I mean, if like if there's one thing the Titans love, it's hiring coaches of uh, former division rivals. Mm -hmm. uh, 
just check Tim Kelly, just check Mike Vrabel. <laughs> I'm just saying, <laughs> you know, like, just like if they want to stick it to him, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're also big on one Greg Roman. Okay. Um, here's the uh, you thing about wrote, Roman. you wrote something for A to Z sports earlier this week. And let me just say the engagement was off the wall. Yes, it was. The story did very well, but I, I, I wrote that in my social caption, I don't want to bend the knee because I'll never bend the knee, but I said he would be a home run hire. I don't know if home runs the right word, but I do think he would be a good hire. I think he, I think he would be a ground rule double. Okay. You're getting on base. You get a guy in scoring position. Yeah, but you're not scoring. Here's the thing about Roman. Four years he was in Baltimore and sure. You want to complain about the passing attack, not working. I don't know that there's another coach on this market that had an elite and I'm talking elite as in top three aspect of their offense in 2019 the ravens led the nfl in rushing same goes with 2020 in 2021 the ravens were third in rushing 2022 they were second in rushing and the last two seasons where he struggled most lamar jackson missed five games in each season and you saw what he was able to do with tyler huntley i mean they almost they were a, a fluke 99 yard fumble return away from going into cincinnati and beating the Bengals with tyler huntley Joe Burrow is the luckiest quarterback in the world. Continuing on Roman. Under Roman, Roman, uh, under Roman's guidance, the Ravens rushed for over 100 yards in 43 straight games. <laughs> 43 straight. And a, a lot of the complaints under my story were, oh, well, how can you, you know, give Roman all of this credit when it's really just Lamar making all these plays? Well, that, that doesn't seem very fair. Like, the best offensive coordinators in the NFL typically have a quarterback who's also able to make plays at the NFL level. And when you're dealing with quarterbacks, they're going to make plays. They're going to make you look good. And sometimes they're going to make you look bad. So I I don't, but you you are Roman for Lamar's success. No, but you do have to, you do have to take that into account. Yeah. Put it in in proper context. To write it off completely. Lamar Jackson is a quarterback who probably on average picks up 70 yards a game on average. Like that is that, and that's a, that's a lot. That's, you know, that's 70% of that, uh, that a hundred yard 43 game streak. That is, that's, that's a good chunk of that by Lamar Jackson. Yeah. And, and very rarely, having, having the best running quarterback in NFL history, definitely yeah. caters to those numbers. Sure. And what I'm struggling with when it comes to Greg Roman were the passing attack numbers and how, and, and I look, I know RG three, had a tweet that was very, very loud when it came to Greg Roman. Mm-hmm. And normally I'd be like, eh, this is a media guy. This is a, you know, f- you know, former player, but this is a former player that played in Baltimore under Greg Roman. And what he essentially said was to paraphrase the tweet. A lot of high profile wide receivers either don't come to Baltimore or they come and they don't stay very long because of the passing attack or and lack thereof. I mean, they, they or, don't, yeah, they don't right. scheme by like, I mean, when, when the Ravens are drawing up game plans, it's not like, Oh, let's find this guy deep, uh, you know, as a shot play. And part of that is because Lamar isn't the most accurate deep ball thrower. But another part of it, the, the biggest part of it is that Lamar is a great runner and they know how to, I guess, kind of creatively design the run game. And a lot of people get after Roman for not being creative in the passing game. But when you have a run game who puts up all these yards, all these numbers, and it's especially the biggest strength of your quarterback, like that's going to water down the passing numbers no matter what. 
Yes, yeah, sure, definitely. And and not to to paraphrase anymore, I'll just read the tweet. Greg Roman may be one of the greatest run game tacticians I have ever been around at the NFL level, which I don't think anyone's disputing that. He continues, running backs and tight ends love his system because they eat. Where are the Titan strengths right now? Running back and tight, tight end. end. <laughs> okay? And then it's kind of been that way for years. Uh, wide receivers absolutely hate it. That's why free agent wide receivers didn't want to go or stay in Baltimore. It was never about Lamar Jackson. Again, this is a credible source for in, insight like that because it's Robert Griffin III, a guy who played in Baltimore for a number of years. I that is that those last two sentences are what I get hung up on because this is a franchise where you just saw your best wide receiver, generational talent, get traded. And it's that has been a, a point of contention with the Titans for decades now. Uh, you could argue for as long as they've been a franchise. They have never had an elite wide receiver. Let me they've never had an elite wide receiver while the receiver was elite. Because they've had elite. Like, I mean, look, don't yeah, get me 2004 wrong. Drew Bennett. I mean, come on. Andre Johnson, uh, Randy Moss. <laughs> Randy Are you kidding me? Like David Boston. Like, come on. Like uh <laughs> uh that is, they've they've always been very David Boston, David Givens. I don't know why I said David yeah, Boston. Yeah, yeah. David Givens. Uh, the they have always Eric been Eric Molds. Damn, that's a good one. <laughs> Eric Molds. We could literally play this game all day. Instead it's about time Titan, to bring Remember the Titan back. We should anyways. do Remember the Titan wide receiver. We should bring that back. Um, uh, also, I just saw this this tweet. Um, uh, the rumors, the Buccaneers, who are $55.5 million over the cap, expected to, to let multiple free agents leave the team, such as Julio Jones. Look, oh. two-tone blue. Two-tone huh? blue? Two-tone I mean, blue. He all looked we're good. doing he is looked, asking questions. Look, Julio Jones would look good in two-tone blue, and I think no one can uh, deny that. Um, Buccaneers, but, by the way, I mean, what a meltdown. Like, all of those coaches either got fired or retired. Uh, yeah, they're, they're yeah, and now everything they're going to go back Tom to Brady's, Now Tom Brady's snapping at Jim Gray for no one, no reason whatsoever. You know, like that that is is bad in Tampa. Anyways, right to get back on track though, the wide well, receiver yeah, yeah, thing yeah. it's a real concern. I mean, Hollywood yeah, Brown that's, left. That's why. That's why I don't. That's why the Greg Roman thing scares me is because I don't want to be in a spot where I don't even want to have the inkling of a guy who runs an offense where wide receivers don't want to come play for you because that is a point of need. And I don't want, we're already seeing it a little bit just because the Titans were blessed. And I do mean that they were blessed with the best running back. One of the best running backs that will go down in history as the best running backs. Okay. Be a fool you, not to utilize him that way. I, I, I throw out generational talent lightly when I, I talk about AJ Brown, but Derrick Henry is legitimately a generational talent at that position. So you've got that. And meanwhile, the NFL has gone even more quarterback friendly, even more passing game friendly with rules changes and just the way offenses have been tweaked and refined. And I, which I think it has worked for the Titans because they have zigged when everyone zags and that a lot of times, you know, defenses are being built to stop the pass but they're forgetting that when you go up against the Titans, you've got to stop a great point. train. And it worked like the first few years that, that that was kind of how they identified on offense, just yes. like how in Baltimore, 
when they led the league in rushing in 2019 and 2020, Lamar was the most difficult quarterback to game plan for. Right. But right. You know, the, the last few years they've kind of figured out plans. They've defenses have had off seasons to kind of design, especially in the uh, AFC North, how to stop Lamar. And the Titans have shown us this last year more so than any other year. But I would say the last two years under Todd Downing, when you can't throw the ball, that makes stopping Derrick Henry that much easier. So uh, especially this year, last year, they, they did they did pretty well, even despite all of the injuries and everything they were faced this year. They could not throw the ball. And that's why Derrick Henry was only able to put up. I say only only <laughs> able to put up fifteen hundred yards. But you know, you know what I mean? Like there were games where he would have 60 yards rushing and yeah, there were more duds this year than I can remember, but yeah, he also had he, like a stretch of, uh, I don't remember how many exactly, but there was a stretch of a hundred yard plus games in the yeah. middle of the season. Like, right. He was still getting his. Yes. And th- like that to me is like, I just don't want more of that. I, I would want more of a, um, uh, a more innovative nuance head coach. Uh, yeah, more nuanced uh, offensive coordinator, a guy who can say, okay, so we've got the best running back in the league. How do we implement him into a more a more uh, advanced well, offense? A and, more... And, a, and a system that doesn't require him to carry the load that he's carrying because yes, at this age, he's yes. not going to be able to do it. Look, I, I don't, I don't, I, hey, easy, easy, easy with the Derrick Henry slander. Okay. <laughs> Look, Derrick Henry still got until Derrick Henry shows us he doesn't still have it. Well, when he, when you can rush for 1500 yards on an offensive line that was held together with duct tape and straws and the paper straws, not the plastic straws. Okay. Very economically friendly offensive line. I, that I, <laughs> For him to do that is the most that to me was more impressive than the 2000 yard season. Yeah, he ran for 1500 yards behind a guy named Dennis. Mm -hmm. The Tennessee turnstile. Look, Derrick Henry could rush for 1500 yards with 10 pound ankle weights strapped to his legs. There's no doubt about it. And I mean, until I I, I see it, until we have physical evidence that Derrick Henry is aging and slowing down, I'm not going to believe it. Do do you ever ever go into Madden and turn penalties off? No. Oh, or, or at very least, uh, off, off sides off. I know some people listening to this have done that before you go into Madden, you go into Menaces. settings and you, you turn, you turn penalties off. And then like that way you could set your defensive end and walk behind the, like walk past the offensive line and line up in your three point stance on the opposite side of the offensive line. <laughs> that's, that's that was what Dennis so Daly and this offensive line provided this year. <laughs> And Derrick Henry still rushed for over 1,500 yards. <laughs> you would turn penalties off and do such a thing. I, you're you're such a menace. It's but, fun, dude. Hey, look, how do you think I got Kevin Dodd to be so great in my 2017 franchise? Putting up <laughs> such big numbers for you. But back to your point, and I, I totally get it. Like, I'm not saying that Greg Roman is, you, you know, the perfect guy. There's no chance that he fails because there is. And uh, I, I agree with the point that by hiring Greg Roman, you're doing more of the same. And a lot of Titans fans want to turn that page. They want to see some passing game. They want to see the Titans become everyone else. All of the fun teams to watch in the AFC, the Chargers, the Chiefs, the Bills, the Bengals, all of them can throw the ball. I, I mean, all of them have elite quarterbacks too, but that's a whole different discussion. My issue is with that, and I get it. I want to turn the page too. I want the Titans to be able to throw for 350 a game. I want to watch it in action because that is something I have been deprived of and Titans have been deprived of. Titans fans have been deprived of ever since they got here. Like yeah. even McNair, when, you know, 
go crazy throwing the ball all over the field. But you got to have the the talent. You got to have the roster to to make that transformation. And right now, yeah. I mean, yeah. we just talked about how NWI let the Titans down. Like NWI shouldn't be in a position to let the Titans down because they should have better receivers out there than him. Yes, yes. And I it's love not... NWI. We love NWI. Right. But like he was an undrafted free agent and really thrust into action due to injuries. And sure, he took advantage of his opportunities like he always does because he is that guy. But you got to have a wide receiver too. And I mean, even Traylon Burks this year, he was hurt a bunch. Like Robert Woods isn't that guy I want to like lean on for the next few years. You got to have the talent to be able to make that transition. If you want to bring in a guy who's known for a lethal passing offense, you got to have the weapons to be able to do that. Otherwise, you're going to have a guy who knows everything about the passing game, but it's still the it's still Derrick Henry and the running game that takes precedent yes. because you well, don't have the options on the outside. Look, you gotta you've gotta walk before you run, or in the Titans' case, you gotta ran before you sprint. They got their ran, okay. Now they need to get their offensive coordinator. Then you get the 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 personnel that you need to fit that offensive coordinator's offense. Because right now, look, you're right with what they have right now. The cupboard is bare. Okay, it's kind of like my pantry downstairs right now. Like I have to go to the grocery store. I have to go to the Jewel Osco or if I was in Nashville to the Kroger. Okay, there isn't better food at home. There is not. And but but before I go, I need my wife to come home and I need her to tell me what we need to get. Okay, and that's what the Titans need. They need their OC to come and say, this is what we need to get. So I agree with you, like, but I don't want them to make their choice of offensive coordinator based off of the personnel they have outside of your Derrick Henry, you know, whatever they're leaning towards going towards at quarterback. But like the, 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 the sure things that you have. You and, find the system and then you plug the guys into it. I, right. I, I, okay, I like that. What, what you, I get worried about. And, and this was what I was, I wanted to, uh, you know, and we'll get into this at a later, later date in the podcast. But what I'm worried about is this grocery list. Is a bit too long. And Jack, I don't know if you do the grocery shopping for your girlfriend and you, um, but I do the grocery shopping in my house. And when my wife gives me a hella long list, I, I almost always, almost always, I forget one or two things, even though I've got it right there in front of me. I got the long list. There's so much stuff in the list and so much stuff in my cart that all like, okay, yeah, I've got everything. And then I'll check out. I'll get home. My wife will be like, where's the rice? And I'll be like, ah, shit. See, like <laughs> for me, I, I grab the basket. I'm a basket grocery shopper. Whatever. No, see, I'm, the I'm, I'm, the, I'm the mini cart guy. I like the mini carts. I like, I will, I will walk across the parking lot to get one of the mini carts because those things, the best invention they ever have. I don't need one of those box RV carts. You know, I need with the broken wheel. A lot of times, give me the mini carts. The, the, the thing about the Titans off season though, is they'd be lucky to even have a basket to shop. Right, they're they're probably oh. just shopping with their their two hands, and when you look at this list and you look at some of the options left on the shelf, like the wide receiver market, and you know if you're a Titans fan, sure you want to upgrade at receiver, but you're also kind of hamstrung by the salary cap, and these options are brutal anyways. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, Alan yeah. Lazard and Juju Smith Schuster are like the best two guys. You got DJ Chark, Sterling Shepard, Nelson Aguilar, an old Randall Cobb, an old Julio Jones, an aging Marvin Jones. Pringle, Myers, I, I mean, Nikhil Harry, or Olamide, Zacchaeus, like these guys are not going to help. And they are Gesundheit. not going to help 
Like, like you could, yeah, right. And and you're gonna have to do it through the draft again. You're gonna have to you're gonna have to stay cheap out there and get a guy early enough, yeah, get a guy talented enough. And this isn't a wide receiver heavy draft. Like there there are a few good options, and there's a couple from Tennessee that you could take in the second, maybe even third round, and find your guy there while addressing, say, the left tackle position. Um, but it's, yeah, it's but- again, you got you got to figure out what system you want to run because the Titans right now, as they're constructed, are built to run the football. Well, before we cross the streams on our analogies, where I was going with was the list is so long for the Titans of everything that they need to fill it. Like I'm a like, I don't think they can get all of that done in this, in this trip. I think the Titans are going to try and get as much as they can done off of their shopping list, but they're going to forget some things and it will have to be addressed either next season or, or however, maybe at the trade deadline this year, but it is. There's a long list of what they have to accomplish, but the, the, the Titans aren't going to Publix. They're going to Costco. They got to find bulk deals for cheap. <laughs> yes, yeah, and I honestly, they do. Maybe even, maybe even just fill up on samples if we can. That's <laughs> going to be tough. <laughs> but that is, uh, that is, yeah, one area where. Um, but, but before they do any of that, before they go anywhere, they need to get this offensive coordinator, and that's going to be important. Um, Jack, let's uh, let's quickly get to a word from our friends at BetMGM. BetMGM, sign up this weekend with code A to Z200. Place a $10 pregame wager on any pro football team to win with your first bet and get 200 bucks when any touchdown is scored in the game. A lot of low-scoring games this weekend, but regardless of your bet's outcome, you'll get $200 when that first touchdown is scored. Doesn't matter if your team wins. So one more time, use code A to Z200 Place a $10 pregame wager on any pro football team to win with your first bet and get $200 when any touchdown is scored in the game. Doesn't even have to be by the team you bet on. That's a free $200 that BetMGM is trying to put in your pocket. Take advantage of it. Use that code A to Z200. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus. Tennessee only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. For problem gambling support, call the Tennessee Red Line at 800-889-9789. Last week, we unveiled the playoff death pool, and uh, we had some a little bit of success. So I'd say we we hit it at a 50% clip rate, which with only two guys on the podcast, not that great, I guess. Um, Jack bad, got it. Jack killed off his team. Jack, your playoff death pool pick last week. The Jacksonville Jaguars, Duval. Um, they uh, they got beat by the Chiefs by a one-legged Patrick Mahomes. Which, gosh, I okay. And 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 I chose the Bengals. Real quickly, can we can we talk about this? Because I feel like this is a safe place, right? We're yeah, very safe. trans very transparent on this podcast. We t- we talk about our true feelings. We talk about what's really going on when we have issues or things come up. We are very open with this audience. And I, and I hope that this audience recognizes that and respects this podcast for that. We will always be real with you on hundred percent genuine. When it came to Saturday afternoon, chiefs Jaguars, it was very clear. Titans fans were, you got to cheer for the chiefs, right? You, you don't root for an in-division rival, especially one that knocked you off of the throne, the AFC South throne and knocked you out of the playoffs all in one fell swoop of Josh Dobbs, arm, which is should be a no brainer. Should, should be no brainer. It was, it was 
pretty pretty heated on Twitter though when yes some people were outspoken about cheering against the Chiefs there, and for there, the Jaguars. There were a few. I saw uh, Easton Freeze. He was uh, the main mentioned. one that I saw. Yeah, there was. Um, I believe there was there was someone else um, saying they did not. They were not cheering for the. the um, I mean, the there were handfuls were, of people that were pulling for the Jags because and, of the Chiefs knocking the Titans out of the playoffs because of the Chiefs being that big bad wolf in the AFC. And I was one of them. What? Were you really? Jack, for the listen, Jets? don't judge me, okay? Yes, I was pulling. I was pulling for the Jaguars, and even oh just God. saying that feels dirty. I feel, I feel shameful. Okay, I do. I need to take a shower I, after hearing this. I need to take a shower right now, honestly, it, for more reasons than one, but mostly for what I just said, Jack. It is. This is here's where I'm I, I I come across okay, and it's I'm hard pressed. I I really want to eliminate last season out of my mind because it was so awful from start to finish. It was just bad. It was a bad year as a Titans fan. Maybe I'm still living in the past, but I in a way I kind of want to just because those were <laughs> that I don't want to say the glory days. It's like it's like <laughs> how do you know you how, how do, how do you remember the good old days or how do you know you're living in the good old days when there's they're going on or whatever that quote is from the office you know what i'm talking about anyway i was pulling for the jaguars because i want to see the chiefs lose and to me right now even with everything that transpired in week 18 and this season trevor lawrence waving to the fans in nissan coliseum it was sickening. It's disgusting. I hate the Jags. Okay. But to me, over the last few years, the Kansas City Chiefs are a bigger rival to the Titans than the Jacksonville Jaguars. And for that reason, I am was so anti-Chiefs. I'm still anti-Chiefs. I hope they lose. I I hope freaking the things that happened to Ryan Tanhill this week on a busted ankle i hope happened to patrick Mahomes. that's awful that's terrible but you know what i'm saying like i i just don't i want the chiefs to lose because to me they are the bigger threat to the titans than the jacksonville jaguars and you're probably like how can you say that after this past season again i'm trying to erase last season from my memory i think the titans are better than they were last season and i think they're quickly going to get back to where they were with this new, with the changes that they're going to make this off season. But I just, that's why I was okay with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Look, the Jaguars were in the AFC title game in 2017. So who cares if they make, I didn't want them to get to the Super Bowl. I just want the Jaguars to beat the knockoff the chiefs. Cause I'm sick and tired of the chiefs. You want to see the chiefs. Of all this. Yes. And I'm sick and tired of all this Patrick Mahomes praise. Like it was, well, that's never going to stop. So especially now after what we saw on Saturday, where oh, one legged, the will of Patrick Mahomes led those chiefs to a, to a championship. Yeah. Oh, and we also saw Chad Henney go in for one series and lead the team down the field. 98 Chad Henney did just as good at quarterback on Saturday as Patrick Mahomes. So I'm pretty sure it's more of a schematic thing, but look, I'm not, oh. look, I'm not no, 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 Sorry, 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 sorry. Look, I'm not, I'm not saying Patrick Mahomes isn't great. Okay. Don't, don't take that away from me. All I'm saying is 
I was I'm sick and tired of the whole Patrick Mahomes. Look at oh, he throws sidearm. He throws side. Yeah, so did Ben DiNucci when he took over for Dak Prescott a couple <laughs> seasons ago. Only his passes were going the other way for touchdowns. Well, that that's sure true, but but like I, I'm just sick of the Patrick Mahomes love. I'm sick of the the hype. You know, the Kansas State Chiefs, I'm done with them. I'm done with the Kansas State Chiefs. I want them, I want them out of the playoffs as soon as possible. The sooner they're out, the happier I'll be and the more I'll be able to look ahead to next season. But when it comes to the Jaguars and Chiefs, to me, the Chiefs are more of a threat to the Titans and more of a rival, a rival to the Titans. This is a team that kept you out of the Super Bowl. The, yeah, the Jaguars kept you out of the playoffs this year. The Chiefs kept you out of the Super Bowl a couple years ago. All right, this is a team where they you the Titans own them in the regular season. I am aside from this past season, obviously, but all I'm saying is, you look, the Marcus Mariota passed to himself. I think there's so so much history between the Titans and Chiefs where I hate them more than I hate the Jags. I, I see. I disagree, and I think the Chiefs are kind of like the Ravens were to the Titans in the early 2000s. Like you hated them more because they ended your season, but. The Titans have played the Chiefs eight times in the last 10 years, which is a lot for a non-divisional opponent. But yeah, it's a lot. The Titans see the Jags twice every year, and that's a team where in the AFC South, in the AFC South, there's a lot of pride when you win that division title. I mean, in 2017, we forget about the Jags' AFC championship run in 2017. Like, sure, they've been atrocious for the last few seasons, but, I mean, with Doug Peterson there, they're not going to be that bad ever again. I mean, as no, long the, as Doug the, Peterson's coaching there, like, they're, they're a threat to, uh, I mean, you talk about the Titans' Super Bowl chances. The Jags are a threat to the Titans' playoff chances. Yeah, don't, and, don't, and don't, yes, don't, don't get me wrong. The Jaguars are in a very good spot right now. Their their stock is trending up. It, they are looking really, really good right now. Um, like the the Jaguars are TikTok. The Titans are Twitter. Okay, that's to me the way it, it looks right now. The Titans are they keep making all these changes. They have to make changes. And it's you know, it's there's going to be new leadership soon. And we don't know how that's going to go. Uh, it looks promising, but it, it could change a lot of things and really screw up this platform like Twitter has been. Uh, and TikTok just continues to surge. Meanwhile, and that is that is where we're at. Don't get me wrong. The Jaguars are in a very good spot. And I do think that that. It, that rivalry has been reignited with the getting swept this year for the first time. It's not time since re- reignited, though. It's like back in full swing. I mean, the, the the Jags knocked the Titans out of the playoffs. Sure, it wasn't yes. a Titans team that was going to go very far in the playoffs. But the Jaguars, I mean, they've been a rival since the Titans got to Tennessee. Like the Chiefs are just this new fun. But, but it's it's always been it's always been the Jaguars being the Titans' little brother. Uh, you know, obviously, yeah, they they kicked our ass this year, but. Like in even 1999, the very first season that you beat them three times in a season to go to the Super Bowl. Um, every other year, it feels like that. Every Thursday night game that they met on, you know, every color rush game felt like the Titans always had the upper hand for the most part. But we're and, we're, we're we're kind of being prisoners of the moments, though, because the Jags haven't been good lately. But like throughout the course of time, like they have been more of a thorn in the Titans side than I think a lot of people are willing to admit just because of, you know, the last decade the Titans have kind of had their number. But, like, in the early 2000s, even in the late 90s, like, this was this was a team that the Titans and the the Oilers, I guess, struggled against. Like, it, in terms of a long-term rival, like, you can't forget about the Jags. Like, I'm a Braves fan. Like, sure, the Marlins haven't been good, but every time that Acuna steps up to the plate against the Marlins, they throw at him. Like, they, they still do things that make you hate them. And, it, like, sure. just because they're not meeting you in the playoffs – 
doesn't make me hate them any less. Like for the Colts, like imagine if the Colts go on this this decade long streak against the Titans where they really struggle when maybe two, three games down the road. Like I'm always going to hate the Colts because of the torment that they put me through with Peyton Manning and Tony Dungy and Andrew Luck. Like the Jaguars haven't had those type of guys and they haven't had like dominance over the Titans like that. But they see each other all the time. There's no love lost. Even when the Jags are bad, they're getting chippy. And sure, they they've I mean, they 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 haven't even felt like little brothers. They've felt like third cousins recently. Like Derrick Henry stiff armed his 99 yard run. Like they they were the forgotten family member. But I, I mean, I mean, we are. talked about it earlier this year going into the Jaguars week. You know, the Titans were at a crossroads, and we said there's no better you know, prescription to a crossroads than playing the Jaguars. Like well, you want to get this. right. You play the Jaguars. Let me ask you this. How do you see the Titans or excuse me? How do you see the Texans as the Titans rivals? Like, where do you rank? Let's do a quick little Austin Huff breakdown. Rank okay. the Titans rivals. Okay. Rank the Titans rivals. I think number until one, you, until you complete the AFC South, we'll, we'll go number, until the AFC South is complete. N- number one, the Indianapolis Colts. Okay. Cause the way I view it is like, who's, who's higher on the tier list essentially. And for many decades, the Colts were higher on the tier list than the, the Titans many decades too, you know, a, a decade and a half, two decades, they were above the Titans Up Peyton until Manning, three, four years ago. Yeah. Peyton Manning, right into the Andrew Luck years. That was, that was a dark time for Titans Colts rivalry. Then I, I, then I think you go out of the division. I think you go like Ravens right underneath that. I think I, you go uh, yeah. I, to me, like the Ravens are more of a rival. Um, I think you go lately bills, even more of a rival. Then I come back to maybe Jacksonville and then the Texans. I mean, it doesn't help that they've been crappy, but even when the Texans had Deshaun Watson and they were pretty good and winning the division, I still like, I didn't view, I didn't hate the Texans as oh, much. Oh man, I've always hated Mainly the Texans. because like literally the Titans came from Houston. That's why I hate them though. All right, I'll let you finish your list. I'll let you finish your list. I mean, I think that's, I think that's essentially the Jags. I mean, the Chiefs, no, I would say, I would say the Chiefs. So this is, this is how I'd rank them. I go Colts one, I'd go Ravens two. my personal list. And I know this isn't no other Titans fan probably agrees with me, but my personal list chiefs three. Okay. Then I'd go bills four. Then I'd go Jaguars five and then Texans six. Uh, Steelers may be thrown in there, maybe under the bills or sure, but they're the not, bills. they're not jumping any AFC South teams here. No. Here's where I, here's how I have it. I've got the Colts. Number one, I've got the Texans. Number two. Oh, wow. Wow. Oh. Still, uh-huh. still, Damn. Uh, they're, so they're, you really, when we laugh at the Texans, you're legitimately laughing at them. I'm like, I'm like maniacally laughing at the Texans okay. because like, okay. I hate them so much. I mean, they, they, they continue to try and pull these, uh, uh, you know, you know the the Oilers colors they they want to infuse and in, somehow into the Texans logo, Which, even though that's uh, not part of their history. Jim Wyatt in his mailbag this week hinted that the Titans, you know, if they go Oilers throwbacks next season, they're going to bust them out for a Texans game. Yeah, as as they should. So if that so for me, it's Indy, Houston, Jacksonville, Baltimore, uh, but Buffalo and KC are so close to me; they're almost in a tie. But since I'm not going to do ties because ties are boring, I don't know. I I, th- I feel like I feel like I've got Buffalo over the Chiefs. Like the Chiefs are so new to me, you know. 
Like the Titans and Chiefs never really saw each other in the playoffs up until these last few years, and they've only seen each other twice. You know, the Chiefs haven't been there for long enough, in my opinion. So I'll I'll, I'll put the Buffalo Bills over the Kansas City Chiefs, and you know I think the Steelers even have a case for jumping the Chiefs just because of the longevity. But my top three are divisional opponents: Chiefs, Texans, Jags. You see them too much. Those games are intense. Divisional games always are, and I just, I, I can't ever find myself pulling for them. Like that's me having I, to cheer for Tennessee in in bowl season, even though I'm a Vandy fan. That's me having I, to cheer for Florida and Georgia. Like I don't want to do that. See, I just feel like I can name more moments from Titans Chiefs games over the last few years than I can Titans Jags games. And the only ones I can mention from Titans Jags games are the Titans owning the Jags, and that's you know obviously okay the Trevor Lawrence wave. Sure, now that's been added to the list, but before that. Derrick Henry stiff-arming dudes in the face a million times in a row. That was it. But when when it comes to Titans-Chiefs, you've got the Marcus Mariota pass to himself, comeback win in the in the wildcard round. You've got the AFC title game where the Chiefs got the upper hand there. You've got um, you've got the playoff games, the, the block. Josh Kalou blocked field goal. You've got... Those games have been epic. You're right. I mean, they, you, they've you, been epic games. And well, and I'd be remiss if I didn't add the 27 to three absolute beatdown that the NFL kind of tends to forget and definitely forgot happened last season, uh, where Patrick Mahomes got uh, absolutely yeah, crapped th- th- on. Th- that, that, that all game. happened in one half, too. Like, yeah. And, and, Jags- and even even this past year, when the Titans lose to the Chiefs with a backup quarterback, they, they but take the game to overtime and you got Travis Kelsey throwing his helmet on the sideline, not getting flagged for it or getting flagged for offensive pass interference in the end zone. Those types of things, you know, like I that to me is why the Chiefs rank above the Jags in the rivalry. Spectrum. They're more in your face, right? And the Titans and Jags have only met once in the playoffs. And that was that season where the Titans beat them three times and went to the Super Bowl. Like it's I don't know. For me, it's the Jags, but I, I respect other people having opinions. And I do think time changes everything. But for me, I guess I just I think I prioritize longevity and how long these these teams have been seeing each other and how long these teams have been neck and neck and you know what they're playing for when they see each other. That's why I go division first. I go one, two, three, all AFC South opponents. But you know, to each their own. And you know, playoff losses definitely sting. Like the Ravens, that's been a great rivalry since the Titans arrived in Tennessee. So there, there's a there, there's a bunch of rivals, but I think I think those teams like the Bengals aren't yet a Titans rival. They're a threat, but they're not a rival. You know what I'm saying? They haven't they haven't met enough and they haven't had these, you know, legendary yeah, yeah. games. Like even the playoff game was kind of a cluster. Right. They that playoff game could have gone one way or the other. It wasn't like an absolute beatdown. Um it definitely was a the playoff game was a much better game than regular season game this past year. But but the, but the, yeah, the, the Bengals, I mean, they're 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 getting on the spectrum though, because they've had the Titans numbers over the last the Titans years. will see them in big games. That's yeah. definitely over the next decade. The Titans will see them in big games. Yeah. Um. But so with that said, let's choose our teams for the playoff death pool. That was a long way around it, but I think it's um, a good discussion though. I think a lot of Titans fans after this week are kind of, I, I mean, even me, like I put no thought into that ahead of the podcast. Like I, I had to think about where each team stood as a Titans rival. I think everyone's going to have kind of a different list. So I, yeah, I think that that was, I think that was fun. We'll, We'll get you guys to respond to us on Twitter about where you think the Titans rivals rank. Yeah. Um, 
the okay so with that said um who are you choosing for the playoff death pool this week oof for um, as much as i hate the Af- the kansas city chiefs i'm going with the Bengals. Mm, trying to okay this is this now is i death they pool. might it might be a little strategy on my part because if you think about it up until the 49ers beat the cowboys on sunday night I had gone on a streak where every single playoff game, the team that I wanted to win lost. And if you, if you pair that with the ending to the regular season, I hadn't seen a team that I was rooting for in a football game win since Thursday night in green Bay. (laughs) (laughs) Like, think about that, dude. Every team, every team in the playoffs that I wanted to win lost. So I have just been, I, and like, it's to the point now where my wife and I joke about it. Like my wife will be like, uh, she'll be like, who do you want to win? And I'll be like uh, the bills. And she'll look up at the score and see the Bengals just absolutely trouncing the bills. <laughs> and she'll just start laughing. She knows, like she knows anyone I choose. I, they just suck. Titans so, fans are down bad right now, especially having to watch all of these teams that they've been, you know, really uh, worried about over the last few years play each other. Like, there's no so, right team to cheer for. It's so bad. So I'm going with the Bengals, or excuse me, uh, to translate it for you because I know you don't speak English. The Bengals. <laughs> okay, the Bengals. By the way, we forgot about the Patriots in that list, but I think since Tom Brady left, it's a little. Different I now. yeah. I'd, even if Tom Brady was like still there, I don't. I don't feel the Patriots. I never really have. owned the Titans too. Yeah, but okay. and it's yeah. I just never viewed that. Didn't play them enough, I guess. For me this week, and I hate to do it to Brett Kern, but I'm going Eagles. Uh, Eagles are my death pool pick. AJ Brown. Mm. How about him pouting on the sidelines in a 31 a, point gosh. beat down in the playoffs? Get a grip, AJ Brown. I mean, come AJ on, AJ Brown. You suck, dude. I'm glad we traded your ass. That that made me no, smile. I'm not. But no, also... I'm not. no, I can't. I can't. I'm sorry. No, I'm not. I'm yeah. joking. Please come back. Please come back. I wouldn't mind him pouting on the sideline if the Titans yeah. are still playing. Ooh, 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 ooh. AJ Brown starts pouting on the sidelines. You know, it starts, you know, starts a rift within the Eagles locker room, demands a trade. Rand Carthen saves the freaking day. <laughs> Come on. They pay the money that they should have paid in the first place. They bring him back home. But in that game, in the Eagles win, Brett Kern did have at least two punts land inside the 10 yard line. Like he's still got it. He's still Brett Kern. I, and you know what? If they look, the Titans struck lightning with Ryan Stonehouse. He's a, he looks like a freaking, if he can just learn to coffin Kerner, then he'll be amazing. But for right now, what they got, like, okay, that he's the only guy that I'm okay with them moving on from Brett Kern for. Could you imagine like a love child punter version? Ryan Stonehouse, oh Brett Kern have a child. Oh gosh. my God. You gave them one, one, one. If you just gave them one season together, if you could have like a backup punter on your roster, Ryan Stonehouse, or like a to, like, situational learn, punter, right? Like to, if you're, if you're backed up deep in your own territory, yes. you need to flip fields. There's Stonehouse. Oh, if you're at the 50, that. you need to pin them inside the 10 Kern. Dressing look, two punters, uh, who's going to do it first? I, look, I think there have been a couple of games this year where you could have said, hey, listen, Mason Kinsey, your services are not needed this week, and then dressed out two punters. I think, look, and you know, speaking of rivals, you know the Jaguars would be okay with that because they drafted a punter <laughs> in the second round. So, yeah. And hey, like, if you don't have a punt returner back there, there's no way you can fumble the punt. That's such a good point, dude. Where? Hey, Rand. 
Give us a call. Actually, Rand, hit us up at Tighten Up Pod on Twitter, at Tighten Up Podcast on Instagram. Hit us up if you need our services. We're here. We're available. We know people in the Titans front office listen to this podcast. Do you think J-Rob listens to us anymore, or do you think he cut us out? I don't even know if it was J-Rob. I think J-Rob had someone listen to this podcast Okay, kind of give him the the, the cliff notes. Yeah. They, in fact, I would say the the director of, you know, we joke about how many positions there are in the NFL director of player personnel, you know, and like VP of player personnel and Mm -hmm. player operations and stuff like that. There was probably a director of the Titan Up podcast listening, and that was his job. Just every week would listen to us, and then he would listen to our podcast, and then he'd be like, J-Rob, this is what they said. Wednesday morning, they would have a meeting every Wednesday morning <laughs> after listening to the podcast. And he would say this, give them a rundown, probably a PowerPoint slide based off of our podcast. And he, and then the, then J-Rob would be like, wait, what did they say? They said, they said, they don't think we're going to make a, uh, you know, a, an OC hire. They don't think we're going to hire Tim Kelly today. Okay. Drop the, write up the press release right now. Let's drop it this afternoon. Tim Kelly, we're going to hire him today and then that's where the wednesday afternoon news dump came from right there it all makes sense but seriously which is more valuable dressing a third quarterback or dressing a second punter i say second punter do it because well and then just make sure that punter can throw which we knew brett kern can Mm -hmm. so you know the the eagles lined up to they had some weird formation where they were going to fake it and they ended up calling a timeout or maybe the two-minute warning hit but I think that they've already installed something for Kern. Be on the lookout for a Brett Kern pass. I feel like it's coming. Ooh, you know, ooh, if they did their homework, they, they no, if they did their their homework though, they would know that Brett Kern can sling it. He, he can throw a little eight yard out route. Okay, yeah. As long yeah. as Kevin Byard is over there catching the football. Well, and if the Eagles can somehow sign Logan Woodside and uh, put him as an up back, remember. Remember Logan oh, Woodside oh, throwing, yeah. throwing that pass on that fake punt that one time? It was a nice pass. It was, I believe Dude, it was, that was the a, NWI that was a, right at the sticks. That like was right a, at it. That was a Toledo rocket <laughs> throw. That's nice. what that was. Nice. Um, okay. Um, so, uh, wait, who are you picking for your death pool? Oh, Eagles. Eagles. AJ Brown pouting Eagles. did it for me. AJ Brown pouting. Gosh, what a little. Uh, you know what, Eagles? I think it's time to move on from him. Mm-hmm. I think you should trade him. You don't want that honestly. Guy. You don't want him. He's honestly... And his tweets, just wait till the offseason. Just wait till you have a full offseason of A.J. Brown tweets. You're not going to want them. Go ahead and trade them. On They're a lot night. less cute after you're eliminated from the playoffs. I can guarantee They're a that. lot less cute, trust me. And, yeah, you look, he praises Philly fans now. Just wait till they get knocked off this weekend from the death pool of Jack Gentry. And, goodness, you're not going to want A.J. Brown. You're not going to want him. So maybe trade him back. All trust saying, us. Trust, trust us the time. Trust us the way the Tennessee Titans front office trusts us. Okay. <laughs> the way that we wish the Tennessee front office trusts us. Sure. That's one way of putting it. Okay. Last thing, last thing before we go, and I truly mean this. Josh Allen and the Bills. Oh, yeah. Can't get it done. They cannot get it done at all. And um, this is what I want to say. And I know some people have like kind of been bringing up the Ryan Tannehill versus Josh Allen debate just when it comes to a lot of um, people. Huh? A lot of people but, are doing that. I saw it elsewhere. That's why I brought it to your attention. Okay. I saw it. I texted it to Jack. I just go, I just go, Josh Allen versus, I texted Jack. And I said, Josh Allen versus Ryan Tannehill? Question mark. And that's all I said. <laughs> And, uh, and I knew, I knew Jack knew where I was going with that, but 
why I texted that to him was one, because I, I was seeing it. I was seeing like Josh Allen and I don't know. Um, Ryan Tannehill are very similar when it comes to playoffs. Uh, Both were number 17. I think Buck brought it up on his on his uh, show today. By the way, my so, response to you was literally three letters, LOL. Yeah, it was. It was. And I look, and I'm not here to compare the two, okay? I'm not. If the Titans could somehow get Josh Allen, I would be the first one to offer up my nutsack for you to chop off to get that done, Okay. But it is funny to me that the biggest argument against Ryan Tannehill is that he doesn't get it done in the playoffs. He it's doesn't get argument. it. He, he doesn't get it done in the playoffs. So he can't win a playoff game. Let a, never mind the fact that he's thirty six and sixteen as a starter. He has won, and that that only went down this season based off of the crappy ass offense that he had to run behind that offensive line that was porous yeah look he hasn't he hasn't had many favors done for him the last two seasons with injuries with coordinators with all, all kinds of stuff, yes. personnel but but he has he has put up tremendous numbers okay i i did a whole video last offseason after the Bengals loss showing you just how good he was in the in the as his time as a titan starter he ranks among the nfl's best and people don't want to hear that but it is true. Uh, he ranked again, given up until this year, which was just like such an outlier. He ranked among the NFL's best in, in almost every major statistical category. So he was good, but then people would say, yeah, but what does he do in the playoffs? What does he do in the playoffs? You know who else ranks among the best of every statistical category? Josh Allen. <laughs> and yet <laughs> well, here yes. he is again, watching the Super Bowl from his sofa. Okay. So needless to say, and this is not me clowning on Josh Allen. I think he's a tremendous quarterback. This is just me saying to those people that hate Ryan Tannehill, that want to push him in front of a bus every Tuesday night when we sit down to talk about the Titans, <laughs> not mentioning any names. Seems oddly, oddly specific. <laughs> All I'm saying to those people that absolutely despise Ryan Tannehill, there are other great, and I mean great, elite quarterbacks that don't get the job done in the playoffs because the playoffs are such a crapshoot. Okay. That to me is like, you always look as the grass always being greener on the other side. I'm, I'm not going to care for Ryan Tannehill until it gets us a Super Bowl. Listen to me. You know how many quarterbacks are out there that have yet to get a Super Bowl that haven't got even Patrick Mahomes, who is the best quarterback in the NFL only has one Super Bowl. It, it, that's a good point. Peyton Manning, it wasn't until he turned 39, his last season in football, where the Broncos defense absolutely carried him to his yeah. second Super Bowl. Otherwise, I mean, he'd be in the same boat as Aaron Rodgers. Like, you can't win the big one, which, I mean, was a big knock for Manning throughout college and the NFL. But, like, it's it, that it, second it, like, Super Bowl is, is so huge for, for legacies. To, to undermine the success that Ryan Tannehill has had in two-tone blue, just because he hasn't gotten this franchise a Super Bowl yet is so completely unfair, especially in terms of other quarterbacks. Tannehill's and performance in the playoffs is fair to criticize. That's I, without question. Sure. Sure. That, but, well, no, 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 no. Ryan Tannehill's performance against the Bengals is fair to criticize. Okay. He, he just hasn't done a whole lot in the playoffs. When, when, you're running, when you're running the football 30 times a game in 
against the Bengals and against the Patriots in the 2019 run, that to me is like, what, what do you expect him to do? That's, he see, that was my point with Greg Roman, though, with Baltimore. Okay, but but I'm saying, but I'm saying is, I for him to have low numbers in those games, I'm fine with because the running game was working. You're not going to throw the ball. You want that's why Arthur Smith was was very smart. He 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 went with what was working, and he didn't try and force something that you know that he didn't sure. have to. Sure, the only plays where Tannehill needed to throw the ball were huge high leverage situations, which is why I think people. Um, you know, have an even more negative outlook on what he's done and in the playoffs. And people, obviously the Bengals game or the Bengals game, that's the sour ass taste left in Titans fans mouths. Right. Uh, that, that game should have never happened. Like you, never you go back. You, okay. The Bengals game. Yeah. I mean like three interceptions, that's indefensible. He was, it was a crap game. And I've, I've been, I've always pointed that out. I pointed that out in the video last, last year that I made, that was a, that was a piss poor game. He literally pooped the bed. And then like smeared it all over the sheets to where had to buy a new you mattress. To, you have to throw the sheets out, yeah, and have to get a whole new mattress. That uh, it was it was an awful awful game. And like I marinating a steak. I mean, right. for days, like you you, it, you you slice it a little bit so the so the flavors get in, in deep. That's what happened to Tannehill's mattress. It, it was a mixture of of it was a poop marination. Poor, poor timing, poor play calling. It was it was a mixture of poor luck. I mean, the fact that 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 one interception just fell back into Mike Hilton's hands, like what are the freaking odds that that happens? Mike Hilton, what a huge game he played against Buffalo too. talk about a talk about a land shark defender right there, baby. Yeah. Um, Okay, shut up. Uh, The all I'm saying is uh, a lot of people like to pin the Ravens (laughs) loss on Ryan Tannehill in the, the super wild card round two years ago. That wasn't Ryan. That loss wasn't on Ryan Tannehill. He did not play poorly in that game. He did, he was not the reason you lost that game. Well, I agree with you though. Austin, Derrick Henry I, had forty yards of rushing in that game. I mean, like I, there was everyone played. The offense played bad. And look, the, 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 this the, is the, the thing, offense though. was not was not great. But he, it was one touchdown, and the interception didn't come until the final drive. When literally, uh, was it Khalif Raymond slipped on his route? Mm-hmm. So well, that, here's that, the thing, that's though. not on Tannehill. If we're crediting Tannehill for his regular season record, right? We're crediting him for the wins. Then why can't we also analyze his win-loss record as a starter in the playoffs? Like if we're going to bank our entire opinion on Tannehill's record, wins-loss, like wins are not truly a quarterback stat in my opinion, then don't we have to also judge him for his record in the postseason? Yeah, yes. Yeah. And I think that's a, that's a fair, that's actually probably the fairest rebuttal I've heard to, uh, to my argument. And you're right. I look, if we're going to give him all of the credit for the wins in the regular season, because a lot of, and that's what a lot of the Tannehill haters say, well, and like, it's not just because it's like, it's not like Tannehill won all of those games by himself, just like he didn't yes. lose all of those games in the postseason by himself, except for the Bengals game. Well, and that's, and that's where I'm going from is when, when you pair the wins in the regular season with the metrics of and how he ranked at the top of the NFL in almost every major metric, then yes, that is that is why I say Tannehill deserves more in the playoffs. In the losses, not I mean his. It's not like his statistics were terrible. It like other than like, uh, they were again, bad. Like the Bengals lost. The Bengals lost. Yes, <laughs> I'm, I'm throw that one out. But in the Chiefs' loss, in the Ravens' loss, okay, his three losses as Titans uh, starter in the playoffs, two of the three weren't bad. They weren't Ryan Tannehill's fault for those losses. So uh, why we're pinning all three of them on him? 
That to me is unfair. The Bengals lost. Yes, it was the worst one it's, in a year where they were the number one seed. Everything expected. Everyone expected so much more. I that to me is a, why I think everyone's now having uh, like just changing their hindsight and just saying, oh, yeah, well, he sucked in all of them. We're bringing it back to Josh Allen, right? Because you can have the best quarterback statistically in NFL playoff history like Allen is. He's thrown 15 or 14 touchdowns in one pick. Buffalo averages 30 points a game in the playoffs. Yet Allen, I believe, has a four and four playoff record. And I'll have to double check that. But literally, he is the best statistical playoff or the best statistical quarterback in NFL playoff history. And he's never made an AFC championship game. Like, you can have that perfect guy. You can dream up this perfect scenario. You can pay Aaron Rodgers all the money in the world. But it's not on one guy in the playoffs anymore. Like, it's it's impossible to judge a quarterback that way. And, yeah, Josh Allen is 4-4 and in the playoffs, despite being what many people believe to be the second-best quarterback in football. And some people were putting him ahead of Mahomes early in the season. But, like, it just gets complicated when you use wins as a stat to judge a quarterback, and that's yeah, the no, and I it, or the postseason. It's like it's like using wins as a stat for pitchers. It's not. It's not. Fair. Doesn't tell it's the not, whole story. No, it does not. You that's have to part look. Of the you story. Have to, you have to look deeper into the numbers, and that's why I and I. So I think we're both kind of arguing the same thing here. Where Josh Allen can't be credited for all of the losses that they've had in their playoffs because of how good he's he's been statistically. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that to me is like, why I guess I'm arguing the same thing for Ryan Tannehill, but I'm looking at it more from the perspective of the regular season to get you to the playoffs. And in a year that we just saw, I think we all saw how important that was in a year where the Titans blew a four game lead in the division and Ryan Tannehill missed five games. Is that not the difference right there? I think if all things were equal, I think it's a great point. And I think Josh Allen is the perfect example because he's going to get criticism all throughout the offseason. And hey, even Joe Burrow, if he goes into this, if he makes another Super Bowl and loses it, people are going to start calling him Jim Kelly. 0-4 in the Super Bowls. Burrow will be 0-2 early on in his career. But like, he got them there. And it's it's kind of, well, it's kind, yes. of it kind of turned toxic with the LeBron got, James. Got, them, got them there, though. I mean, it's LeBron James the, and Michael Jordan. It's, this is when you get to the Super Burrow. Bowl, you have to win it to be the GOAT. I, and this Brady is my thing that. with... Burrow is almost like the the antithesis of Tannehill in a sense, where Burrow gets all of this praise for winning in the playoffs and taking his team to the Super Bowl at such a young age, and he's so clutch. When has Joe Burrow been clutch? Aside he dominated maybe, the he dominated the Bills. He well, he, he dominated the Bills. Yes, okay, that doesn't. But that, I mean, doesn't, I, that doesn't help the clutch an, case right there but schemed. but the week before where where was he against Tyler Huntley and the Ravens he needed Sam He's Hubbard to bail him out 98 yards mm-hmm. like that is i there's just down three starters on the offensive line though we're very pick and choose with with our it's narrative you know, it's all it's all about which it, it, that's what it is it's very narrative and it's and Ryan Tannehill had the poor luck of being in Miami for the first six seasons of his career. So everyone made up their minds as to what Ryan Tannehill was. Now so when, that's you know, fair. when he came to Tennessee, when he came to Tennessee and he had all the success that he had, no one wanted to give him the credit because, Oh, well, it's Derrick Henry was doing it. You know, when, when they, the Titans win, it's Derrick Henry. When the, when the Titans lose, it's Ryan Tannehill. That is that where I think it's unfair. And so we're kind of arguing the other way around. Yeah. Anyway, but, but Tannehill is, is probably the only 
circumstance that I can remember of a quarterback who genuinely failed at his first stop, like for a, a decent amount of time, and then turned around to be this, you know, oh, I mean, they that, can, that was a, they can they can was, play for a Super Bowl with this guy. That was a toxic, toxic workplace, though, in Miami. Oh, that was yeah. a bad. I mean, that was well, a bad. The offensive bad line coaches crying on the phone to strippers right. at three in the morning. Like, I mean, that's that's not the guy you want in charge of your protection. Yeah. When you're I mean, what, literally uh, or, or just did they, did they ball. draft for or trade for Laramie Tunsil in the uh, gas mask bong? Um, uh, did the they, Texans they, they draft? I forgot him? how that went or no, the Texans traded for him. They drafted him. The Texans traded for him. Anyway, look, all I'm to say is look, I, I feel like this podcast has turned me into this Tannehill Stan. I'm not a Tannehill Stan by any means. You're I have, I, I have, yes, I, I just wish people would look at it more clearly, I guess, is, is just like, hey, let's take a step back, okay? He's not as bad as the Tannehill haters say he is. I don't think he's as good as probably I even paint him out to be, but I have to defend him against these people that say he's terrible. He's not terrible. We have said he's, he's probably anywhere from ninth to 12th in the NFL uh, on any given day, on any given Sunday. There's no, if like... Can, if you perfect... can get one of the one to 11 or one, one to eight, one to 11 ranked quarterbacks ahead of them, then you go and get them. I'm all for that. I will move on from Ryan Tannehill on a heartbeat. If it means you can get someone better, but if you can't, or if you want to take a shot with like a rookie, I I'm not, a, I'm not for that at all. I'll stick with what I have and I'm all for it. And, and if you want to say, well, it doesn't win in the playoffs. There's a lot of quarterbacks that don't win in the playoffs. Even the best ones, Josh, Allen, unquote, Aaron Josh Rogers. Allen, Yes. Peyton Manning so, until late in his career. There's there's plenty of examples of those. And I think you're right. And I think that's where Josh I, Allen fits in this this discussion. Last point on this, there's no stat to accurately judge a quarterback. There's no stat that is, you know, end all end all be all, right? Like there, there's no, oh, he's definitely number one, he's definitely number six, he's definitely number eleven. There isn't any of that. So you kind of have to use this balance of eye test versus yeah. you, you know, the actual numbers and analysis. And that's how we hope Rand Carthen takes over for the Titans and, you know, evaluates that position here because it's it's a mixed bag of things to come to the final result and to get that right guy leading your franchise to what you hope to be, you know, the promised land, which is a Super Bowl. Jack, we came into this podcast being like, man, the cupboard is pretty bare this week. Let's keep a, let's do like a 40 minute podcast. How did we go like 20 minutes on Tannehill? Y- you know, we, you and I got into such great discussions on almost every topic we brought up today. Titans rivals, Josh Allen, uh, the OC search. My gosh, Jack, every single thing. And this is honestly, we should probably do like two episodes a week because we have so much content. <laughs> like we're, we just get into such good conversations. It's, it's frustrating. Um, that I, we, we try and make this more digestible for you, the listener we do. And we just get to talk in and we hope it's conversation that you enjoy. We hope it's conversation that you can get a laugh or two out of. We, that's what we, we hope that you get out of this podcast. We don't mean for it to be as long as it is. Probably many of you have probably turned it off before you even get to this uh, little monologue that I'm delivering. <laughs> that is I only the truest Tupper stay till the very end, because we always hide our hidden gems there at the very end. That's when we <laughs> give out our homework. That's when we do the best stuff. We have the weirdest conversations. So the true Tuppers get it. But if you made it this deep, kudos to you. We, we will be better this off season. We just get <laughs> these conversations. There's so much up in the air and there's so much to talk about that. Um, where we apologize for that, but thank you all for you listening, please uh, rate review and the subscribe this podcast. 
give us four and a half stars in the uh, comments. You know, say four and a half stars to the Tighten Up Idiots, 0.5 stars to Buck. Give us a follow on Twitter at Tighten Up Pod on Twitter, uh, at Tighten Up Podcast on Instagram, and follow A to Z Sports on all things social. If you want to follow my co-host, my guy right here, Jack Gentry, give him a follow on Twitter at Jack A. Gentry. Very much worth your follow. If not for the memes, then for the great A to Z Sports articles that he writes that stir up everyone and create so much engagement for the internet. Uh <laughs> <laughs> like his ones about Greg Roman or uh, you, if you'd like, you can follow me on Twitter at Austin Huff. Um, but Jack, do you have anything for the road? Send us those rivals. I, I want to know where you guys rank the Titans rivals. I think that was a very fun discussion and it's going to create a lot of opinions and I want to hear every one of them from you guys. So tag us on Twitter, your top Titans rivals. Okay, there it is. And was anyone else and let us know, was anyone else rooting for the chiefs? Was was it just me and Easton Freeze? Were we the only two? <laughs> Surely there were other Titans fans out there pulling for the Chiefs. I'll tell you over, who, who was definitely pulling for the pulling for the Jags. I'll tell Chiefs. you who definitely wasn't was Mitch Ferkins. He was all over Twitter with the Jags slander. I love it. Keep it coming, Mitch T. I gotta follow him. I don't. I don't even think I'd follow him. Uh, that's a shame. That's that that's is a shame. shame. That's that's more on me. That's that's a detriment to me. <laughs> um. All right. Well, we're gonna get out of here. We love you guys so much. We're going to get through this offseason together. Remember that. Okay? Together. We're in this together. Follow us on Tighten Up Podcast on Instagram. Tighten Up Pod on Twitter. We've been uh, tweeting through the playoffs together, and we appreciate all of you who interact with us on there. Um, All right. With all that said, until next week, tighten up. They're the Tennessee Titans, they're the Tennessee Titans, they'll keep